All right, all right. Uh, good morning, church. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're going to shout out real fast. I love God and I love you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Now we're going to get rid of our youth kids. Uh, if, we, uh, if you're a youth kid and you want to go up to the youth group, they're going to hang out there. If not, then you can hang out here. That's great either way. Um, a little bit of church detail real fast. Uh, pastor Peter, who's our children's pastor, um, he's going to be stepping down at the end of this year. Um, now, Pastor Peter, he came here not sure if he wanted to be a pastor, actually. He was a senior and uh, just finishing up college. We weren't sure if he was called to ministry. He wasn't sure, so he... We invited him anyway to see if God would be calling him into ministry, and as he's done it for a couple of years, he's realized that God really has given him a passion for refugees and a passion to use his degree, which was in communications, uh, so written and uh, like visual communications sort of stuff. And so he's still going to remain as part of the church. He's going to be with us every week then here downstairs. Um, so he loves Jericho Road. It's not that he doesn't. It's just that he doesn't feel called to be a pastor. And so uh, good to know. And so uh, we're really excited about that. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a sort of begin the public looking for a children's pastor. But I wanted to present it to you guys ahead of time to see if, if you have someone in mind or someone in your heart that you know uh, that would care for our kids uh, really well. I'd love to hear that before we make it public and open. I'd, I'd much rather have someone that we're comfortable with and that we know and uh, something like that. So uh, let me know if you have any p- amazing people in mind um, for our children's ministry. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I, I'm glad that Peter's going to be here. Uh, he's so amazing to be around, and, and you guys are going to get to spend even more time with him. And so uh, just a genuinely amazing uh, young man. So uh, a blessing both ways. Um, today, uh, we're going to continue in our series, Gone, Going Fishing, and uh, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shared about you guessed it, about fish. So we're going to look at a parable Jesus shared about fish. Now, whenever we look at a parable, you have to keep one thing in mind. And so this is just a general teaching, an understanding of how uh, different types of literature works, especially in the Bible. When you look at a parable, the one thing we're looking for in the parable is the main point. Sometimes we can get sidetracked by the details of the, the sub-details of the, the parts of the parable, but, but don't allow yourself to do so. When reading parable, look for the main point. Once you have the main point, then the other ideas fall in place. And so we're always looking for that. The nice part about the parable that we're going to read today is that Jesus gives a parable and he says, oh, here's what it means. <laughs> so then he interprets it for us so there's not any ambiguity. And so this parable, Jesus was giving a whole bunch of parables, talking about, uh, they're sort of like parables and they're sort of like, uh, he's talking about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God like? And this is one of them. And here's what Jesus says. It's recorded by one of the guys who was listening to him, a guy named Matthew. Uh, and uh, Matthew is a, tax, a former tax collector. He's sometimes known as Levi. And he writes it in a book that's titled by his name, a book called Matthew. And so this is uh, found in his 13th chapter of that book, uh, written by the eyewitness Matthew. So in Matthew chapter 13, uh, here's what Matthew records Jesus saying. Jesus is saying this. Once again, uh, Although, I'm going to put the verses up in a second. I'm going to pre-read the whole parable to you like we did last week again. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell our sound people that. (laughs) I'm going to pre-read the whole thing to you. Remember, I don't want you to feel like this is reading the Bible so then the pastor can talk. The Bible is the more important part. So dial in on what Jesus is saying. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that's let down into the lake, and it caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the, on the shore, and they sat down, and they collected the good fish in baskets and threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, the people replied. And so here we go. 
that, that's the parable we're talking about. Now we're going to break it down into parts again today, and then we're going to have a little bit of application right at the end. So here, here's that first verse. He says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like. So this is some kingdom of heaven talk. Uh, this phrase encompasses the time that Jesus is talking, like his current time. That, that's when the kingdom of heaven begins, because Jesus ushers in the kingdom of heaven. But it lasts all the way through the generations up until our current time, up until the time of Jesus' return, his second coming. And the kingdom of heaven even expands into eternity. So this kingdom of heaven idea is this sort of a long kingdom. It's not just for a minute. And it's instituted originally by Jesus coming the first time. And what's this kingdom like? Jesus had just been giving a whole bunch of ideas. What is this kingdom like? I mean, he was giving them in parables. He said, uh, you probably heard this one, the kingdom of God is like that mustard seed that starts small and grows big. The kingdom of God is like a, a, a great pearl of great value, worth everything. And so he had been giving these par parables. And then he said, the kingdom of God here, it's a place where justice comes about and the, the right will find uh, their place with God. And judgments are made for everyone. And we see that in the parable that we're talking about today. Now, this would be on the mind of the people. Anytime a prophet comes to the nation of Israel, that's who Jesus was talking to. Anytime a prophet comes and they start talking kingdom of God language, the Israelites always think and assume and wonder, like, does that mean me? Does that mean right now? Uh, so what will God's kingdom be like? Is it nation-based? Will Israel rule alongside of God? What will happen? What will it look like? And so this would have been the questions that were on the minds of the listeners of Jesus. And so he's almost reinterpreting as you go through all the statements of the kingdom of God is like, it sort of blows away all these notions that the Israelites had. The, the Israelites thought that it would be a political kingdom where Israel would get to rule the world. <laughs> so they would take over everybody and they would be boss and in charge and then God would like, God would be kind of in charge, but he, they'd really be in charge, right? So yeah, God is in charge, but... But they get to run the world, and, and they're the supreme rulers of the world. And so they sort of thought that this was, that's what the kingdom was going to be like. And, and Jesus sort of redefines it, especially uh, in a couple of the, the parts that he was saying, and in this part uh, particularly. Because what does he say? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a net that's let down into the lake, and it catches all kinds of fish. Now, this is going to throw the Israelites off because they thought the kingdom of God was for the Israelites. <laughs> they thought it was for one type of fish. <laughs> they did not have in mind that the kingdom of God for, were for all types of fish or that God's net would pick up all these kinds of fish. And uh, it, it's really interesting when it talks about these all kinds of fish. It's using a Greek term all, which means like whole or every kind of. And when it uses kinds, it's talking about nations or people groups. It's the, the word genos means races. So it says this net picks up all kinds of races of fish, every type of fish that's available. That's the kind of fish that are in the kingdom of God. Like I was in Home Depot a couple weeks ago. You guys, uh, I had mentioned uh, we moved. So I was getting some stuff for the new rental place, trying to fix a few things up. And I was at Home Depot. And I uh, needed to figure out how to do a gas line. And I, I couldn't quite figure out how to run a new gas line because mine had broken on our, our dryer. And I was waiting for the guy, and, and the guy, uh, this Hispanic fellow, older man, was talking to an even older uh, Asian man. And so I'm, I'm waiting for my turn, and uh, he's talking to him. And then when he's done, the Hispanic guy says something in Korean to the Asian guy. And I was like, oh, he's Korean. And I was like, wait, he's not Korean. And then so I was kind of like, wait, what's going on? And then uh, the Korean guy says, uh, he says, okay, to him. He says, yeah, okay, got it. 
And then the Hispanic guy, so I'm now translating because of course I'm great in Korean. <laughs> and uh, so this uh, Korean guy responds, uh, and then the Hispanic guy says bye to him in Korean, and he says bye. And then uh, I'm like, I have a dryer problem, but I'm not really sure why I'm here. You know, I'm, and I was like, so you're working on your Korean? Because, you know, in Home Depot, that's not what I was expecting. And the guy just shrugs. He's like, yeah. <laughs> that's not enough for me, right? So I'm like, this is a thing. Like, he doesn't know it's a thing for me, right? But it's a thing for me. I have some sort of connection to Korean people. And so he's like, yeah. And I have to ask, why? I was like, how come you're trying to learn Korean? And he goes, my wife's Korean. I was like, mine too. I was like, dude, brother. What's up? I understand. It's so good. And I was like, so random. I have the greatest experiences in Home Depot. I've met some great evangelists in Home Depot, some amazing people. And I was like, what a cool world that I live in. That here I'm in Southern California. I meet a Hispanic guy at Home Depot talking to this Korean guy. And he's married to Korean. I'm married. It's like, it's so cool that uh, we get to interact with all sorts of different types of people. And in Southern California, mostly people can be people. Now, I see some movies and TV shows and some news about the South. Maybe they can't always be people, be people there. But in Southern California, we get this opportunity where, where people can just be people. You can just like them for who they are rather than worrying about what sort of race they are. And that's the way God intended it. It's the way that it's going to be like in heaven. In heaven, there's going to only be one people, the people of God. There will no longer be racial divisions that we have here currently on the earth. Now, doesn't that mean that we won't be who we were ethnically, which is really cool that God creates different flavors. Nobody wants just one flavor of ice cream forever. That would be no fun. We want different flavors, and so God creates us in different flavors. And the really great part about living in Southern California is we kind of get to begin uh, more than any other place maybe on the planet, except Hawaii. Hawaii's really mixed. <laughs> other than Hawaii and Southern California, this is about as mixed as it kind of gets. It's about a realistic picture of heaven, uh, that you can that you can have while here on this planet, we get to we get to start that that process while we're right here. So the sermon is titled "All Fish Are Welcome," because all are invited into God's kingdom. But what? But on what basis do they enter? See, the Israelites thought that people could only go to God's kingdom if they were Israelites. The Bible is really crystal clear that it's not based on any racial issue. Paul writes in Galatians. He says, "So in Christ Jesus." You're children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus, you've clothed yourself with Christ. You're this new people. There's neither Jew or Gentile. There's not slave or free, and there's not male or female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. So the Bible is really clear about the, the picture of heaven. It is going to be one people and not based on their racial affiliation. And we want our church to reflect heaven, to reflect our lives. So I say that it's also our church's desire to say that all fish are welcome. I mean, think about your life. Do you interact with anyone that is racially different than you? In Southern California, you probably do. Do you work with people? Do you have friends that are racially different? Are your neighbors racially different? Well, if you're in Fullerton, where we are, maybe not. Maybe they're all the same. <laughs> but uh, depending on where you live, but probably your workplaces have different faces. They're not all one. And so when people are coming to the church and they say, well, how about me? I'm a, I'm a Korean-American, or I'm an American who's Korean. Yeah, that person's welcome. How about my kid who's Slovenian, sort of uh, maybe some mixed white people, and Korean mixed? Is he welcome? Yeah, he's welcome. Half this, half that, welcome. Asian, Caucasian, Latin, 
Middle Eastern, European, African American, look, all are welcome into heaven. And all are welcome at this church. So when you guys are out fishing, all fish are available. Grab all the fish you could get. It doesn't matter what race they are. All fish are welcome. And so that's kind of, I think, what this first part of the parable says. Jesus says they cast out the the net, and then it grabs up all kind of fish. But then what happens? So back to the parable. When it was full, the fishermen pull it up on the shore of the net, and they sat down, and they collected the good fish in baskets, and they threw the bad fish away. So another translation of good and bad is worthy and worthless. So they took these fish, and they said, not good, good. Worthless, oh, worthy. You know, edible, not edible. However, they were passing out these fish. Now, now this is a really important concept because I think right here, we've got to be really careful. Because is this saying that good people go to heaven? Because if you took a poll in America, almost every American person thinks that they're going to go to heaven. And if you ask them why they're going to go to heaven, probably five out of the ten times, maybe six out of the ten times, they'll say, because I'm a good person. Almost always that will be people's answer. And you say this parable, well, wait, maybe they are going to go to heaven because they're just a good person. Well, luckily, Jesus interprets this parable so that we don't have to guess as to what good means. And here's what Jesus says. This is how it's going to be at the end of the age. The angels are going to come, and they're going to be part of this separation of the wicked from the righteous. The word changes a little bit when Jesus uses it. And they're going to throw those wicked into the blazing furnace, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So wicked means evil, bad, or malicious. And righteous means correct, and by implication, innocent. But righteous means just in the eyes of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm certain which basket I want to be in. Like, I want to be in the good basket. I want to be righteous. Yet I know deep down inside... I am not good. And I know I'm certainly not righteous, which is innocent and correct and just in the eyes of God. And so when I am quite honest with myself, I think that I'm in the wrong basket if it's based on me. I'm going to be in the bad basket. And I don't know if you feel that way, but, but I don't feel like that I am worthy to be in heaven at all. So if this is all we have, then we're in a bit of trouble. But luckily, Paul uses the same kind of language when he's writing to the Romans, and he clarifies how it is one becomes righteous, how it is that I get into the good basket, how do I become right, how how could I be just in the eyes of a perfect God? And so he he explores this idea in Romans, and it's quite lengthy, so I'm going to read a couple of bits here for you. Paul says, here's how it's written, there's no one that's righteous. There's not one person. There's no one who understands, and there's no one who seeks after God. Every single person has turned away. They have together become worthless. There was no one who does good, not one. I probably think so. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth will be silenced and the whole world will be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous, same language, in God's sight by the works of the law or by doing good things themselves. 
Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We realize that we're actually supposed to be in the bad basket because of the law. But now, apart from the law of righteousness of God, has been, uh, has been made known, to which the law of the prophets testify. And here's the key. The rightness, the righteousness, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood that we have to receive by faith. And so Paul says, look, you need to get in the righteous basket. You need to be in the good basket, but you don't get in the good basket by being good by yourself, which is really weird. And I think to get in the good basket, i got to be good, right? And he says, no, that's not how you get into the good basket because you can never get good enough to be in the good basket. You will always be a deformed, messed up, ugly fish. To get in the good basket, you need someone to help you become good or righteous. And so this is what it says. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. See, I get in the good basket not because I'm good, but because the one that I follow is good. I get in the righteous basket because Jesus makes me righteous. That's the only way that I escape it. And we've got to be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking that we get to earn our way into heaven by being good. Even though the parable mentions good and bad, those correlate to righteousness and wickedness. The wickedness, I got covered. The righteousness, I can't cover myself. And so I need Jesus to come be my righteousness for me. And I declare to him, that I have faith in him, and by that, then I'm made righteous. It's not even anything I do except my confession. And I can only find myself on the righteous side with God because of Jesus Christ. Now, the parable sort of indicates that the world all the way to the end is going to be divided. The church isn't going to fully win. not Not everyone on this planet is going to become righteous. There's going to be people who believe and people who don't believe. The earth houses both the wicked and the righteous all the way to the end. And then at that time, uh, God allows the angels to help sort things out. God begins his work of judgment, sending some into this blazing furnace. A blazing furnace is an expression which points to the tragic reality of being separated from Christ eternally. It's not like literally a furnace where people go in, but it's this language that God uses to say, there will be a place, if you don't want any part of God, that you will be unable to experience the goodness of God by your choice. And so there's a consequence for any who find themselves rejecting Jesus because righteousness is not available except through Jesus. And without righteousness, we don't get to get into heaven. And without righteousness, our fate is sealed. Bad basket for those that don't have righteousness. But righteousness only comes through Jesus Christ. Then Jesus says to his disciples, have you understood all this? And they're like, yep. And I doubt it, right? (laughs) So we we look at how the disciples function after this. I'm not really sure that's true. They're just like, whatever the teacher tells you, you got it, right? You're like, "Mm mm-hmm. You have no idea what they're talking about, right? That was (laughs) was some geometry you're working on or some calculus. You got that? Uh Mm Uh-huh. No clue what they're saying right now. Uh, and so I think that was his deception. Now, Jesus doesn't call them out, so maybe they did understand. Yeah, I don't know. So I always wonder if they did. 
So here's the key application. The main point of the parable is about eternal states and the necessity of being righteous in order to dwell with God. That's the point of the parable. Now, I'm struck by two main things as I'm looking at the parable. The first thing I'm struck by is that net casts out and it grabs everybody. All types of fish. So there's like, there's good trout and there's bad trout. There's, there's good, I just used up all my fish names. Salmon and bad salmon. Come on, fish. Good whales and bad whales. I don't know, are whales fish? They're mammals, right? So there's no whales in the, no whales in the, in the net at all. So if you're a whale, you're, you're just not going to either heaven or hell, nothing, right? No, so, so I'm struck by this idea that, that, that God casts this net and then he catches all the fish. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care what kind of fish they are. It's irrelevant. And so I'm struck by this idea that, that, that all are welcome into God's kingdom. And then the other side of that coin is all are welcome, but not all enter into his kingdom. And that's the second point that I see. I see that God says, I'm casting that for everybody, and everybody's going to be welcome into the kingdom, but not everybody are getting into the kingdom, and it's based on whether they know Jesus or not. So last week we talked about becoming fishers of men, and this week we noticed the urgency of such a calling. If it is true that you cannot go be with God without his righteousness through Jesus Christ. And he will separate you, and you will be put into a blazing furnace, a code for separated from God for eternity. If that's true, then it makes the urgency to fish greater. The stakes are extremely high. In fact, they're eternally high. If we don't share Jesus with people, then the result could be cataclysmic for their eternity. If you think that God is going to tear open the sky and speak to them, you are wrong. God is tearing open your heart right now, and you are supposed to speak to them. It is our call, duty, and admonition by God to speak Jesus Christ to other people, those of us who have the life to give the life, those who have the light to share the light. That is what the Bible tells us to do. So going fishing isn't about my enjoyment or my relaxation. Going fishing isn't simply out of duty or mandate. Going fishing isn't a an eternal life and death situation. Not for me, I, I'm already righteous, not because I'm a good person, but I'm already righteous because of Jesus. Whoo, I'm in the good basket, done. But that doesn't mean I get to rest. It means like, man, who isn't in the basket? Let me try to share Jesus with them so that they can get in the basket. One of my passions ever since I first became a believer was that I could be part of the salvation of other people. So once I'm saved, I was like, dang, I'm in. I don't want to be like this. Everyone else is thinking, oh, see you later. Oh, bye, man, I'm lucky I'm safe over here because I know I don't deserve it. I know that I don't deserve to be in God's love, goodness, and his righteousness. And so because I know that, I know they don't deserve it either, but I want to offer it to them. I want to get it out to them. I want to make sure that they hear it. When I think of people in their eternal destinations, I don't think there's a more important work for us to do as believers than to share Jesus. Like, teaching the Bible is really good. So once you're in the basket, it's really good to learn about other fish, and it's good to learn about the God who made fish, and that sort of stuff. But I think if I'm going to weigh things out on this planet, it's way more important for me to share Jesus with someone so they can get in the basket, and we'll work out the details later. We've got to be sharing Jesus with people. There's this fictional story by Lauren Isley, which is pretty famous. It was written in uh, 1969 uh, as a collection of essays uh, and poetry. And it always struck me as correctly reflecting God's heart. Now, th- this person's not a believer. 
But I think it, it's always struck me as, as being a correct reflection of, of my, how I feel about things. And so here's what, uh, this is just an excerpt from that book, just a small one. And you may be familiar with this. There was once a boy walking along a beach. Uh, there had just been a storm, and, and starfish had been scattered along the sands. The boy knew the fish would die, so he began to fling the fish into the sea. But every time he threw a starfish, another would wash ashore. An old man happened along, and he saw what the child was doing, and he called out, Boy, what are you doing? Saving the starfish, replied the boy. But your attempts are useless, child, and every time you save one, another one returns. Sometimes the same one. You can't save them all, so why do you bother trying? Why does it matter anyway, called the old man. The boy thought about it for a little while, a starfish in his hand, and he answered, Well... It matters to this one. And he flung the starfish into the welcoming sea. See, friends, the stakes are high. Fishing for people is critically important because God welcomes all people, yet not all people receive him. Let's be part of helping as many as possible. Look, I can't reach the whole world. No chance. But I can reach one. I can't share Jesus with people in countries I, I'll never visit and I don't know the language. But I could share Jesus with one person. I can text the guy that I met in Thailand a couple of times. I can share Jesus with my coworker that I see three, four times a day. Yeah, I can't save everyone. But God doesn't ask me to. He asked me just to be part of fishing right where I'm at. Whatever pool you find yourself in, however small or big your lake is, fish right there. That's what God's calling us to do. Let's pray together and we're going to worship. Father, I want to respond rightly to your word. Last week you were talking about becoming a fisher of men and you set disciples aside. And this week you're talking about that there's a consequence for fish who find themselves on the wrong side of Jesus. And so with these consequences in mind, God, I want you to move my heart better so that I can be strategic and, and wise and joyful about sharing you with those that are around me. And I want to be part of the, I want to be part of the fisherman crew. Uh, I know that you saved me and you love me, and I want to just reach out to other people so that you could save them and love them. They can experience the God that I've gotten to experience. And God, I pray the same prayer for my church, that we would want to allow others to experience the beauty, majesty, and goodness of you, God, the righteousness that comes through Jesus. And we would want that enough to go out of our comfort zone for it. I want to invite you to pray right now. Man, check. Check and make sure you're in the right basket. If you're not, if you're not in the, the righteous basket, the way that you get there is you just ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And if you're not in that basket, do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till you feel it. Don't wait till there's a better time. Today is the right time for that. Just simply say to Jesus, Jesus, I know that I am bad. I know that I do not deserve heaven. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you. And if you are already safe and you know that you're righteous because of Jesus Christ in your life, then maybe you pray a prayer that says, God, allow me to respond like the disciples to become a fisher of men. Allow me from the security of the place of the good basket to reach out to others that they might too enjoy your kingdom. Would you pray one of those two prayers with me this morning? 
then we're going to worship together.